Chapter 17 of Theophrastus Such by George Eliot, recorded for LibriVox by Josh Middledorf. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 17 Shadows of the Coming Race. My friend Trost, who is no optimist as to the state of the universe hitherto, but is confident that at some future period within the duration of the solar system ours will be the best of all possible worlds, a hope which I always honor as a sign of beneficent qualities. My friend Trost always tries to keep up my spirits under the sight of the extremely unpleasant and disfiguring work by which many of my fellow creatures have to get their bread with the assurance that all this will soon be done by machinery. But he sometimes neutralizes the consolation by extending it over so large an area of human labor and insisting so impressively on the quantity of energy which will thus be set free for loftier purposes that I am tempted to desire an occasional famine of intervention in the coming ages lest the humbler kinds of work should be entirely nullified while there are still left some men and women who are not fit for the highest, especially when one considers the perfunctory way in which some of the most exalted tasks are already executed by those who were understood to be educated for them, there rises a fearful vision of the human race evolving machinery which will, by and by, throw itself fatally out of work. When in the Bank of England I see a wondrously delicate machine for testing sovereigns, a shrewd, implacable little steel radamanthus that, once the coins are delivered up to it, lifts and balances each in turn for the fraction of an instant, finds it wanting or sufficient, and dismisses it to the right or left with rigorous justice. When I am told of micrometers and thermopiles and tasimeters which deal physically with the invisible, the impalpable and the unimaginable, of cunning wires and wheels and pointing needles which will register your and my quickness so as to exclude flattering opinion, of a machine for drawing the right conclusion, which will doubtless by and by be improved into an automaton for finding true premises, if a microphone which detects the cadence of the fly's foot on the ceiling and may be expected presently to discriminate the noises of our various follies as they soliloquize or converse in our brains, my mind seeming too small for these things, I get a little out of it, like an unfortunate savage too suddenly brought face to face with civilization, and I exclaim, Am I already in the shadow of the coming race? And will the creatures who are to transcend and finally supersede us be steely organisms, giving out the effluvia of the laboratory, and performing with infallible exactness more than everything that we have ever performed with a slovenly approximativeness and self-defeating inaccuracy? But, says Trost, treating me with cautious mildness on hearing me vent this raving notion, you forget that these wonder-workers are the slaves of our race, need our attendance and regulation, obey the mandates of our consciousness, and are only deaf and dumb bringers of reports which we decipher and make use of. They are simply extensions of the human organism, so to speak, limbs immeasurably more powerful, ever more subtle fingertips, ever more mastery over the invisibly great and the invisibly small.
Each new machine needs a new appliance of human skill to construct it, new devices to feed it with material, and often keener-edged faculties to note its registrations or performances. How then can machines supersede us? They depend upon us. When we cease, they cease. I'm not so sure of that, said I, getting back into my mind and becoming rather willful in consequence. If, as I have heard you contend, machines, as they are more and more perfected, will require less and less of tendance, how do I know that they may not be ultimately made to carry, or may not in themselves evolve, conditions of self-supply, self-repair, and reproduction, and not only do all the mighty and subtle work, possibly on this planet, better than we could do it, but, with the immense advantage of banishing from the Earth's atmosphere screaming consciousnesses, which, in our comparatively clumsy race, make an intolerable noise and fuss to each other about every petty ant-like performance, looking at all work only as it were to spring a rattle here or blow a trumpet there, with a ridiculous sense of being effective. I, for my part, cannot see any reason why a sufficiently penetrating thinker who can see his way through a thousand years or so should not conceive a parliament of machines, in which the manners were excellent and the motions infallible in logic. One honorable instrument, a remote descendant of the Voltaic family, might discharge a powerful current, entirely without animosity, on an honorable instrument opposite, of more upstart origin, but belonging to the ancient edge-tool race, which we already, at Sheffield, see pairing thick iron as if it were mellow cheese. By thus unerringly directed discharge, operating on movements corresponding to what we call estimates, and by necessary mechanical consequence on movements corresponding to what we call the funds, which, with a vain analogy we sometimes speak of as sensitive, for every machine would be perfectly educated, that is to say, would have the suitable molecular adjustments, which would act not the less infallibly for being free from that fussy accompaniment of that consciousness to which our prejudice gives a supreme governing rank, when in truth it is an idle parasite on the grand sequence of things. "'Nothing of the sort!' returned Trost, getting angry and judging it kind to treat me with some severity. What you have heard me say is that our race will and must act as a nervous center to the utmost development of mechanical processes. The subtly refined powers of machines will react in producing more subtly refined thinking processes, which will occupy the minds set free from grosser labor. Say, for example, that all the scavengers' work of London were to be done, so far as human attention is concerned, by the occasional pressure of a brass button, as in the ringing of an electric bell. You will then have a multitude of brains set free for the exquisite enjoyment of dealing with the exact sequence and high speculations supplied and prompted by the delicate machines which yield a response to the fixed stars and give readings of the spiral vortices fundamentally concerned in the production of epic poems or great judicial harangues. So far from mankind being thrown out of work, according to your notion, concluded Trost, with a peculiar nasal note of scorn, if it were not for your incurable dilettantism in science as it is in other things, 
if you had once understood the action of any delicate machine you would perceive that the sequences it carries throughout the realm of phenomena would require many generations perhaps eons of understandings considerably stronger than yours to exhaust the store of work it lays open precisely said i with a meekness which i felt was praiseworthy it is the feebleness of my capacity bringing me nearer than you to the human average that perhaps enables me to imagine certain results better than you can doubtless the very fishes of our rivers gullible as they look and slow as they are to be rightly convinced in another order of facts form fewer false expectations about each other than we should form about them if we were in a position of somewhat fuller intercourse with their species for even as it is we have continually to be surprised that they do not rise to our carefully selected bait take me then as a sort of reflective and experienced carp but do not estimate the justice of my ideas by my facial expression pooh says trost we are on very intimate terms naturally i persisted it is less easy to you than to me to imagine our race transcended and superseded since the more energy a being is possessed of the harder it must be for him to conceive his own death but i from the point of view of a reflective carp can easily imagine myself and my congeners dispensed with in the frame of things and giving away not only to a superior but a vastly different kind of entity what i would ask you is to show me why since each new invention casts new light along the pathway of discovery and each new combination or structure brings into play more conditions than its inventor foresaw there should not at length be a machine of such high mechanical and chemical powers that it would find and assimilate the material to supply its own waste and then by a further evolution of internal molecular movements reproduce itself by some process of fission or budding this last stage having been reached either by man's contrivance or as an unforeseen result one sees that the process of natural selection must drive men altogether out of the field for they will long before have begun to sink into the miserable condition of those unhappy characters in fable who having demons or jinns at their beck and being obliged to supply them with work found too much of everything done in too short a time what demons so potent as molecular movements none the less tremendously potent for not carrying the futile cargo of a consciousness screeching irrelevantly like a foul tide head downmost to the saddle of a swift horseman under such uncomfortable circumstances our race will have diminished with the diminishing call on their energies and by the time that the self-repairing and reproducing machines arise all but a few of the rare inventors calculators and speculators will have become pale pulpy and cretinous from fatty or other degeneration and behold around them a scanty hydrocephalous offspring as to the breed of the ingenious and intellectual their nervous systems will at last have been overwrought in following the molecular revelations of the immensely more powerful unconscious race and they will naturally as the less energetic combinations of movements subside like the flame of a candle in the sunlight thus the feebler race whose corporeal adjustments happen to be accompanied with a maniacal consciousness which imagined itself moving its mover 
will have vanished as all less adapted existences do before the fittest i e the existence composed of the most persistent groups of movements and the most capable of incorporating new groups in harmonious relation who if our consciousness is as i have been given to understand a mere stumbling of our organisms on their way to unconscious perfection who shall say that those fittest existences will not be found along the track of what we call inorganic combinations which will carry on the most elaborate processes as mutely and painlessly as we are now told that the minerals are metamorphosing themselves continually in the dark laboratory of the earth's crust thus the planet may be filled with beings who will be blind and deaf as the inmost rock yet will execute changes as delicate and complicated as those of human language and all the intricate web of what we call its effects without sensitive impression without sensitive impulse there may be let us say mute orations mute rhapsodies mute discussions and no consciousness there even to enjoy the silence mm, absurd grumbled trost the supposition is logical i said it is well argued from the premises whose premises cried trost turning on me with some fierceness you don't mean to call them mine i hope heaven forbid they seem to be flying about in the air with other germs and have found a sort of needus among my melancholy fancies nobody really holds them they bear the same relation to real belief as walking on the head for a show does to running away from an explosion or walking fast to catch the train End of chapter 17